Hello, this is Richard C. Wilson, founder of the Family Office Club. We have with us today, uh, Jose, uh, and I apologize if I said your last name wrong right there, but uh, welcome Jose to the interview. Hi, my name is Jose. Great, and um, this is an investor mandate interview, so we're gonna be talking about uh, what Jose and his team are looking to invest in, uh, what they're looking for above all else. But um, first off, can you start with a little bit of perspective on just kind of what type of an investment firm or investor you are? Sure. We are a multi-family office. We're located in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We manage assets for families from around the country, but these typically have some connection to the upper Midwest, either via a trust, um, business or residence. Most of our clients are business owners or families that had a business and, and sold it. Okay. Um, yep. Okay, great. And um, how many of your clients are doing direct investments versus traditional wealth management, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, et cetera? You know, how many of them are actually going direct at independent sponsors or real estate deals and buying companies, et cetera? Yeah, all, all, all of our larger clients and families invest directly and in, through private, either direct investments or private vehicles, private real estate and private private equity funds, we, we manage for everyone. Of course, the, the public equities and public public bond portfolio as well. We are primarily a value, a value of strategy firm. Okay. We manage our own public equities portfolio, core, core portfolio of 25 to 30 names. Okay. Directly on the equity side and the fixed income, we stay primarily short duration municipals, um, and on the high credit ratings, we take the risk on the equity side and think that fixed income for the most part is asymmetric uh, risk return profile. We stay away from that. Real estate is an investment, an important part of our portfolio. Okay. Um, in our case, as of today, more so than, than private equity. Uh, okay. We invest for our clients uh, in a variety of ways in, in real estate through uh, direct investments, through funds, uh, that are mostly private and um, private REITs and private, private uh, smaller funds. Okay, sure. And what are the, the best ways that you are able to source good investment opportunities on the direct side or on the fund side for your clients? Is it usually through one or two platforms you plug into and it's really hard to get an investment you know, with a multifamily office like yourself, unless you're on one or two of these platforms, or how does that usually look? So for the, for the, for the private, on the private side, it's, it's really our network, right? It's who we know, okay. um, especially if we want to go direct. We, we like to invest with uh, people that we know, either the, we know the developer, if it's real estate, or we know the property manager, or we know the asset, right? Mm -hmm. So if one of those, or if you know the three, even better. Um, in, in practical terms, that that limits your geography as well. It's hard to know what's going on everywhere in the country or even internationally. So, um, in in our case, even though we can look around the country, we're more inclined to work with our within our geography, which is the Upper Midwest, again Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, the Dakotas, and you know some of the western states up to Colorado. Okay. Um, and Missouri. So that's, that's kind of our geography. It makes sense then that we'll know better the developers, the managers, and the assets in, in that region. So how we source them is, again, our network and, and also going to conferences uh, like yours. So we try to attend as many as we can of, of yours. Sure. A lot of value in that and, and really networking for, for deals and learning what other people are doing as well and, and vice versa. So 
Yep, sure, sure. So, you know, one interesting thing right now is that in people who are looking at real estate deals, some of the closings are delayed. Sometimes people question the valuation. It's hard to get somebody to go on site to inspect it uh, when you're trying to close on the deal right now. Some lenders have pulled lending on some deals in some areas that they think are questionable. Um, so answering this next question, you know, maybe it might need to have two part answers from you of what's the number one type of investment you're really looking for? Asking that right now at the height of the virus crisis, you might be listening to this once this is over. So I'd like to also have you answer it how you would normally answer it if there wasn't a virus crisis. But, you know, I know right now a lot of firms are looking for things that are doing well despite the crisis or looking for alternative investment strategies like life settlements or something that's really different than the stock market or real estate and could still do well despite right now. But how do you talk about that internally as a team in terms of what you're sourcing short term versus let's say when this goes past us, hopefully in however many months, you know, what you'd normally be seeking? Sure. So before this happened, we were really focused on opportunity zone investing. Okay. And um, we were in the process of, uh, and still are in the process of identifying some uh, realistic projects that, uh, that we like uh, in the opportunity zone. We are also uh, trying to invest through impact. Impact is a word that can, can mean many things, but in our case, friends really have a, have a quantifiable and identifiable social benefit in our, in, in our case. And the whole OZ legislation is geared towards, but as you know, you know, you can invest in an opportunity zone and have a very limited real impact. So we want to do both and use the opportunity zone to, to really do impact investing. We're still doing that. What we think has happened now is that we believe real estate across the board has been repriced, even though you're not seeing the private market, de facto it has. Uh, you can't have the, the public markets uh, do what they've done and not have a, a comparable repricing on the, on the private side. So what that means is the hurdle rates for any kind of real estate project is going to be higher because you have a real much higher return, expected returns on the public side and on the existing property. So for a new build, the hurdle is, is higher. And, it, mm-hmm. and, and that means that it's a project that would have passed, passed the test a month ago. Well, you know, it has to be good on a before tax and after tax basis. So there'll be less of those. So what we're seeing, thinking is, well, maybe, maybe rather than a new build, there will be an opportunity in buying an existing property and fixing it up or, or something right. that couldn't get completed and then get on with that rather than a from scratch uh, ground up build on the real estate side. We also are focusing on private equity in opportunity zones. We think that the OZ legislation really is ideal for private equity, even more so than real estate. A lot of it has been real estate driven, but private equity right. is the, the real way to benefit from that. We think there'll be more more opportunities of that, and we're trying trying to be creative and also partner with people that are thinking um, that way uh, and identify good opportunities in that space. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think maybe only two out of a hundred people I know of that have talked about opportunity zones to me, um, you know, have talked about the private equity side about it at all. And so I'd love to see some people do a lot in that area, just because. The legislation seems wide open to both types, but everybody just went hard hard on the real estate side and the private equity side seems to be kind of ignoring or downplaying it. So that's something I think we could um, yeah, bring up. On fact, the- uh, as a matter of fact, uh, earlier this week, I was uh, in touch with uh, someone I met at your Miami uh, summit uh, conference who has a private equity deal opportunity zone and, and they're think of relocating to our area. So we're, we're talking to them about that. 
Great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I think that um, sometimes it's trading ideas like that between peers, between investors at our events will just help you go down a different research path. And sometimes it's a very specific investment opportunity. And then sometimes it's like a structure, like a way to structure a deal or a, you know, a bonus depreciation type idea that you hadn't asked your accounting firm about. And then once you ask, they're like, oh yeah, we have an expert on that. And turns out you can save money on every deal you're doing. So that's, that's what kind of keeps it interesting for us hosting the events. We're always learning more. So I appreciate you bringing that up. You've been to some of ours in the past. And once yep. we've gotten past the uh, virus stuff, we'll, we'll have you back at one of them, I hope soon. Yeah. And um, yeah, we hope to see you on one of the virtual investor discussion panels uh, coming up soon as well. And, you know, our last question for this interview, though, is about your number one piece of advice, your $100,000 piece of advice for an investor listening here. You've already kind of given some insights and, you know, some things that probably people overlook related to opportunity zones, but what would be your number one piece of advice? Yeah, I have, I have the tool that I thought of and, and uh, you know, one may be obvious. And I would think that most of your audience has already implemented this by now, but if not, I'll just mention it just, just in case. Uh, I, I think uh, large investors, anyone that has more than 30 million in, uh, in public equities should have by now transitioned into an ETF or a direct stocks. It, the, whole, the cost of, of holding and, and managing direct stocks is, is zero, close to zero now. So you can, you can, you can save $100,000 by moving 35 million out of an actively managed 1940 Act fund into an ETF or a, or a portfolio of individual companies. So that, again, I think most people that have a portfolio of 50 million in, in public equities should have done that by now, but I'm, I'm guessing not everyone has. So it's something that should be an easy implementation. Right, right. Yeah, sure. I appreciate uh, you bringing that up. Uh, and then uh, on the private side, I think that uh, often investors um, in real estate are going to single property deals with uh, by a friend or promoter that they that they know i think those what happens is that people tend to underestimate the risk and overestimate the the return and i think unless you're very close to one of the parties the developer or the or the or the construction firm or the, the manager or you know the asset um you're going to underestimate the risk and overestimate the return you're better off going into a private fund of some sort that that you're you have you're diversified so that, that in the end you, you'll pay the price right right yeah it's interesting i mean i think that's again something that we could dig into more on one of these panels because i'd love to i'd love to ask you like two or three questions about that and talk about it and add more value to listeners because i just know that um especially when people try to go direct into multiple asset classes all by themselves as a little two or three person team and they're going into operating businesses as well as retail, as well as warehouses, as well as multifamily. It's like, there's so many learning curves. They're trying to move up at once that, yep. you know, you're in trouble basically, you know, you're throwing yeah. darts. As an, LP, as an LP, you know, small player, you know, you, you don't know what you're getting into when and yep. so you'll pay the price. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Awesome. Well, I uh, appreciate you sharing your advice and insights today. What's the best way for someone to get a hold of you? Is it through LinkedIn or email or um, LinkedIn email? Jose at elgathon.com. Um, phone number, call me direct on my cell phone, um, LinkedIn. Always happy to talk to, to anyone. Great. Yeah. And if anyone's listening to this and needs to get a hold of anyone on the uh, investor mandate interviews, as long as you're a member, then you just speak to Jennifer on our team or anyone on our team and we'll help get you connected to some of these, some of these investors. So 
Thanks again for your time, Jose, and we'll uh, be in touch soon and hopefully uh, yeah. see you on a panel here soon as well. Thank you for your time. Good talking to you. Bye. Take care.